And welcome back. I'm Ron Alesco. I'm so glad you're with us today because we have a very uh, special guest on our on the phones with us now. Um, there's a film that is going to be opening up for one week only at the Cinema Village in the heart of Greenwich Village, it's starting on Friday, May 31st, and it's called Renegade Dreamers. And the film, which I, I was lucky enough to have a chance to see, is a look at the New York protest movement of the poets and the folk singers of the people from today, as well as those who started in back in the 50s and 60s in the uh, Greenwich Village coffeehouse scene. I, I found it to be a fascinating look at both scenes, the originals from the 50s and 60s with what's currently going on. And uh, there's a, some marvelous interviews, incredible footage that I found, uh, things I've not seen before from so many, so many wonderful artists. And uh, right now on the phone with us is the director of this film, uh, Karen Kramer. Many of you may know Karen. She's been on the scene directing some incredible films, uh, documentaries, since, uh, was it 1977? You did a film on, on snake handling. Yeah, that was my first documentary. Um, at the time, I was very interested in rituals and outside communities. And I won't go into the whole story <laughs> now, but... I was lucky enough to go to West Virginia and film a snake handling church. Wow, I, I remember that documentary when it came out. It was it was quite an intriguing look at at, at, the, at, at that scene, and you've done so many documentaries uh, over the years. But this new one, Renegade Dreamers, this is something you've been working on for the last seven years. Is that correct? I have. Wow. Yeah, documentaries take a long time. <laughs> sure. And, and, and the footage that you've acquired, I mean, there's uh, some, some amazing archival footage here uh, going back to the, the early 1950s and, and the, the scene in New York City. I mean, you talk with so many people and have, have, I, I guess archival clips from a number of people who are unfortunately no longer with us. Uh, you know, people like, like Allen Ginsberg and uh, Richie Havens and um, uh, so many others. And, and people that are, that are still on the scene, people like Ma Maria Muldaur, Tom Paxton, Peter Yarrow, and even Wavy Gravy, who I don't think many people realize started out in the village as a poet. That's exactly right. He was a poet, and he ran the poetry series at the Gaslight Cafe. Mm-hmm. And we'll, call it poetry series, then they just <laughs> called it open mic, and there were basket houses where people, after their poems, they would pass around a basket for contributions. Right. And Wavy was in charge of that. Huh. Wavy Gravy. Hugh Romney, as, as he was Hugh Romney that. at that time, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Karen, uh, what, what was it about this whole scene that, that first intrigued you? And, and to not only, you know, it would have been so easy to create this as a documentary about the 1960s and 50s. But yet you, you juxtaposed it with what's currently going on and showing those connections that are, that are still happening. What, what inspired this, this whole documentary? Well, let me first say what inspired me to add some of the younger people, because um, even though the, much of it is about these great legends that came out of the village, and we do have this amazing archival footage, we have some great scenes of young people today who were kind of doing the same thing, following in the footsteps of Woody Guthrie and Allen Ginsberg. And the impetus for using that was twofold. One, I didn't want this documentary to be only nostalgic looking back. I wanted it to be a more dynamic film. So filmically, I was really happy to add this contemporary element. But also... Um, I was really amazed how many young people of today, young artists, actually know about and were influenced by Woody Guthrie and Jack Kerouac and Ginsburg. 
and not just in a superficial romantic way. They're really, um, they know what their lives were about at that time. So I thought, I really want to combine these two time periods. And it works so well. I'm, and I just remember one scene in the, in the feature. I, I think it was was a Café Wa. You, you had some footage of the outside of Café Wa as it was then and to what the site is today. And obviously you can, you can recognize the doors and such, but it's, it's a whole changed world. And I, I found that to be fascinating too because it, it, even though it's changed, you can still feel those echoes from those earlier era. And as you say, all these young artists that have come up. And, and, and the young artists, what, what really surprised me, I, I've been doing this folk music show uh, on radio since uh, 1980, and I thought I knew a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But you've uncovered some really talented artists that are, I, I mean, really flying under the radar. I, mean, I think one of the things you mentioned in this film is about nonconformity. Yeah. And from what I'm seeing on this, these these artists are not conforming to the same uh, methods that other artists use to to get their music out. You know, going to radio stations and such like that. These people are actually on the streets, getting their voices heard. There's this real DIY do-it-yourself movement, and in the case of somebody like Matt Pless, he's kind of amazing. I mean, he writes the songs and books the tours and travels and sleeps on people's couches. And, uh, yeah, really doing it um, that way, uh, Geo Safari, the same thing. There seems to be more venues for poetry and spoken word these days than there is for music. Not sure why that is, but um, there is a few, few more venues for that. And it took me a while to find some of these artists. I had put the word out that I was looking for them, and a few names came up. And then several years ago, when the Occupy Wall Street movement happened, I went to Zuccotti Park. They had an open mic there, and people were getting up to play guitars with songs they had written themselves and to do spoken word. And, of course, it was all about protest, and I loved it. And some of the artists that I used came out of that movement. As far as this idea of nonconformity, which is a big, big issue of how one defines that, I think it was a little easier to define in the 50s when, uh, after World War II, there was this great conformity in America. And for people who wanted to step off that path, you really had to um, take a risk to do that. And that's when people gathered in the cafes of Greenwich Village and began to put their nonconformity into a whole different lifestyle. These days, I'm not even really sure what nonconformity means. And I think the people in my film uh, would say the same thing. Yeah, you know, that's something that struck me, too, is especially the, the beginning of the film when I'm watching this and when, when you were doing this discussion about nonconformity and the 50s um, and showing this, you know, all these footage of, of people kind of marching in step with what the, what was happening in the mainstream right. and then coming to the village to create a, a scene out of out of nothing, really. But what I also saw was that I saw a lot at first I looked at these people, the young people from today. I'm saying, are they really being in that same mold, or are they just kind of following in the footsteps of everybody else? Are they, are they creating their own scene, or are they just trying to carry on something that existed 50 years ago? I would say they're definitely creating their own scene. Um, and in no way are they uh, pretending to carry that on. In fact, one of the interviews 
Jeremy, who goes by the name of Germ, says, um, I'm not just following, I love the beats, but I'm not just emulating them. They wouldn't want me to do that. They would want me to do my own thing. And they really are, you know, it's different time. Um, they could be influenced by them. For example, Geo uh, is very influenced by Woody Guthrie, who sang about the labor movement. And Geo has been very involved in trying to get rid of sweatshops and overseas sweatshop labors. He was labor. He was influenced by Woody Guthrie, but he puts his music into issues of today. And I think they all do that. It was also interesting that you showed uh, the the background for for these contemporary artists. Uh, like I think it was Tiffany Hillen was born in Texas, and she yeah. was talking about growing up in the Bible Belt and her family moving around a lot. And you know, th- these are all these reasons that kind of brought them to look for something to search out for something else, which they found in the village. Uh, but you know, the village obviously has changed too. I mean, even though I said before, you know, you see a lot of the same sites. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of gentrification. There's been a lot of ri- high-rising rents. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, people would move to the village because it's cheap. It's it's not that way anymore. No, it? it's not that way at all. I also want to say that um, these young people in my film are not living in the village. If they're living in New York, they're living in the outer boroughs. Or some, are, some are living in Manhattan. But um, it's really too expensive to live in the village now. I've been here for a long time. I couldn't afford to move here now. I'm lucky I have a rent-stabilized apartment. But yeah, some of the wonderful, wonderful places of Greenwich Village are lost. We still have a few. The Bitter End is still there. The Cafe Wa is still there. Um, So, and uh, I always say the ghosts are still here also. You walk around this neighborhood, you could feel that especially on McDougal Street. But as far as a place of bohemianism, nope, that's long gone. Uh, I don't know whether that's good or bad. I mean, as you said bad. before, bad. well, but again, they are kind of creating their own thing. That's what sort of happened in the 50s oh, maybe and 60s. good for them. Yeah, yeah right. Good for the village now. Uh, right. For the rest of us, you know, who miss those old days, it's it's, it's certainly changed. Yeah. Uh, we're talking, by the way, with Karen Kramer, who is the director of the new film, Renegade Dreamers. It's opening uh, at Cinema Village, right in the heart of Greenwich Village, this Friday, May 31st. It's going to be there for only one week. And uh, what, 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 what are your plans for this feature? I, I'm sure you're looking for other places to, to show this movie. Yes. I mean, ideally, I would love for this to show in other theaters in other cities. I know the rage right now is for everything to be digital and streaming. And, of course, we're definitely going to do that a little bit down the line. Uh, but right now, I would love it to be in theaters um, with groups of people, live groups, uh, so I'd love to get people involved who maybe are listening to this and have ideas for showcases, approach those showcases, and we'll make arrangements for Renegade Dreamers to be shown there. And then, like I say, down the line, it will go on to some of the streaming platforms and also be available for education, universities, things like that. Oh, that sounds great. I hope a lot of people get to see this. As I was saying, it, I, I was fascinated by this because you found such uh, amazing documentary footage, the uh, people of like, like Kerouac and Ginsburg, 
Yeah. And uh, I know that you had the part with Ginsburg reading Howell, and then you had another artist from today reading their poetry and, and reading part of Howell as well uh, on, on the streets. Yeah, that was great. I, I always knew when I started the film, before I even filmed it, somehow Howell would work its way into the <laughs> film. And then one day, um, years ago, when I was at Occupy Wall Street, I was talking to this young man, Sean, who's in the film, and he was talking about how much he loved Kerouac, and I had the camera rolling, and I was interviewing him, and we talked about Kerouac. And then I said, by the way, are you fam- you also know a lot about Ginsburg? And without missing a beat, he just looked into the camera lens and started reciting Howell verbatim. And he told me he had actually made it his mission once to memorize all of Howell, if anybody knows the th- uh, the poem, that is one big challenge. Sure. And even while he was um, reciting it and my camera was rolling, I knew that I would juxtapose that with Alan mm-hmm. reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just really, really brilliant, really brilliantly done in the, in the feature. Thank you. Uh, the, the, obviously, politics and the current events of, of that era and today play an important part in, in what's going on. Uh, back in the fifties, you were talking. You, know, you, you talked about the, um, uh, the the bomb. I mean, right. the, all the fear that people were instilled in about that bomb, right? And Vietnam and all the other issues, civil rights. And today, it's it's a different world, different challenges. Uh, but you know, one thing that it's always been, I've heard people who are you know cynics talk about folk music. Uh, well, you know, you're preaching to the choir. Now, do you get some of that as well with some of these artists today? I don't think today? that's necessarily true. I mm-hmm. mean, what Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary had said to me one time um, that it was very important in the 60s to get large groups of people singing this music. And what he said is it's not effective to just do it once and then go home. But if you do it over and over and over, it begins to resonate and filter out into the general population. And I really... I really believe that. I think the folk music of the 60s, certainly Peter, Paul, and Mary, and of course Bob Dylan, did filter out into the mainstream and got a message out that might not have gotten out so easily if it was just people talking and not singing. Sure. It it certainly changed the culture. Definitely. uh, I I do hope that some of the artists that you talk about can have similar effects, but obviously we live in different times. Technology is all different. Uh, whether there'll be another Bob Dylan or Peter Yarrow coming out of this group is remains to be seen. But I, 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 I don't think that's what they're all looking for. Well, a couple of things. I think, um, I, I don't think, and I never, yes, it is different times. You know, people need, aren't gathering the way they used to gather. Unfortunately and unfortunately, they're on their computers. But it was never my intention to say, Look at this young person, he's the next Bob Dylan. Look at this poet, he's the next Ginsburg. That doesn't matter. Even Hetty Jones, the great beat poet, says in the film that the people who came out of the beat generation, we know about Alan and Jack and William Burroughs and Gregory Corso, but there were hundreds of others who got up and they wrote and they sang their hearts out, and that's the way it is today. Just to be able to get out there doesn't matter that you're not going to be the next 
Peter Yarrow. Absolutely. And I wish more people would would understand that because I think too many there are still too many artists, at least in the uh, uh, in some of the artists that I play on the show that are really looking for that commercial success. And it's not the I keep saying over and over, it's not what it's all about. It's about getting that message out. It's saying something in your heart. And obviously the subjects that you you chose for this film are doing that. Um, Karen Kramer, I am so impressed with this movie, and uh, I do hope so many people will get a chance to see it. Uh, do you have a website or anything else that people can get yes, in touch with? Yes, absolutely. They, people should go to the film's website. It's very basic name, www.renegadedreamers, or one word, dot com, renegadedreamers.com. They can read more about the film. They can see a little bit of quotes of, from behind the scenes. Um, and that's it. Well, that's wonderful. I have one more question before we uh, end our little visit today. Uh, we were talking about some of the artists, and, and one of them is um, Matt Pless, who I'm going to play for. I'm going to play in a few minutes. And to me, this was a discovery as I watched your movie, as I saw this young singer-songwriter reaching from Baltimore and, and hearing the, the, the incredible music that he's putting out. But I was wondering, for you as a director, uh, you started this seven years ago. Uh, I guess you had intentions of, of, of kind of in your mind what this film was going to be. But were there any surprises along the way? Anything that you may have learned that you weren't expecting as this film was being put together? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, Matt Pless was a surprise. <laughs> I thought he <laughs> right. was pretty great. <laughs> um, the footage... Some of the archival footage I found, I don't want to give away too much, but maybe this will actually entice people. I knew that in the late 50s or 1960, New York City had tried to close down the coffee houses um, and that people, some of the beat poets, rioted against that or protested. And I heard that there was footage, but nobody knew where or when or if it was just a myth. And I found it. And when I found that footage, oh, my God, that was fantastic. I was so happy to get that. Very few people have seen it. Yeah. That, that so was, that, that, was, that was a great surprise. Um, what else was a surprise? I guess it was also how many young people really um, revere and know Woody Guthrie and Jack Kerouac. That was a bit of a surprise, how widespread that was. Um, and it was a surprise how difficult it is to get archival footage. <laughs> I can imagine. And there's so much of it there. Again, I, uh, the film is called Renegade Dreamers. Uh, Karen Kramer, the director who is with us today. It's starting uh, for one week only this Friday, May 31st, at the Cinema Village uh, in Greenwich Village. 22 East 12th Street. Perfect. And I, I hope some of our listeners will... Uh, if they're not able to go to the village, keep in touch with the website, and, and, and hopefully this film will get a little more uh, airings around the country. I uh, hope so too, Ron. Because it's uh, it's something uh, uh, for me. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a folk fan <laughs> and a host, but I learned so much from this movie, and that to me is always a surprise. And uh, uh, congratulations on getting this film out there, and I hope I hope many more people will see it. Well, thank you, Ron, for helping us to get the film out there. Thank you. My pleasure. Karen Kramer, thanks for joining us today. And now we're going to hear one of these amazing artists that, that Karen discovered, Matt Pless. Thank you. 
this guitar it's been around the world and back it's walked the lower east side rode the train tracks headed west it's hitched a ride to texas sailed on down to mexico it's found its way most anywhere and it's got a ways to go this guitar and all the wonders that it's seen it's passed out in the gutters played in palaces for kings it's serenaded ladies from savannah to cheyenne some friends it makes for life and some it never sees again and i don't know where the song is going yes and i don't know how the song began hitting highs and lows life it keeps unfolding with each break and every bend i'll stay strung on six strings bound until the end This guitar, it's done its best to make some change It's striking hard against the odds for all who are in need It stormed the gates and barricades and marched the picket lines It may not make a difference, but at least I know I tried This guitar, they said, would never make a dime Instead it fills a jar with dollar bills from time to time Though it might make me a millionaire if fortune seeks me out That may not be the best idea, but it's the thought that counts And I don't know where the song is going Yes, and I don't know how the song began Hitting highs and lows Life it keeps unfolding with each break and every bend I'll stay strung on six strings bound until the end This guitar, it always finds a place to play It's drowned in empty bar rooms, headlined on a sold-out stage It's made some people dance and sing, it's made some people cry It picks a chord that hits your core before it says goodbye This guitar, it's got a tale or two to tell It's reaching for the stars, but has its roots kept underground a story bound for glory, listen close and you will see Cause one day this guitar is going down in history Yeah, one day this guitar is going down, going down, going down in history